This is our last time together. I've enjoyed uh, hanging with you guys. I'm going to open God's word uh, one more time. And I'm going to tell you of what we're going to open with is also going to be what we're going to close with. I'm going to tell you the end of my sermon uh, today and the end of my message because I have a question for you. Um, and it comes from our key and our theme verse, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. And my question that I'm going to end with is going to be posed to you. Are you bold enough to say and make a decision today to say, I choose to fear the Lord and I choose to keep his commandments? Because that's a decision that you get to make today. But I, I don't want anybody to make that decision lightly. I don't want anyone to lie. You should never say that if that is not your intent. But my question is, is it your intent, your desire to be a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman and to obey his commandments? For there, you will begin to find your purpose and your meaning and your satisfaction, and your enjoyment, and even your direction in life. We talked about what it means to fear the Lord. That is, to, to respect God as he ought to be respected. In reverence, in worshipful submission, meaning that you acknowledge and are attentive to God and all that God says. Meaning that you won't say, well, I love God, but I don't really care what God says in his word says that, no, I'm going to submit even to obedience to what God teaches in his word, which means that we must study God's word. We must listen so that we know what God commands us to do and the ways that he invites us to walk in. To keep his commands, uh, to have a, a healthy fear of the Lord means that we will have regard for his word and we won't just dismiss his word or disregard it. You see, the Bible is not just merely filled with information about true stories. It's not just informative. The Bible, God's word, is also prescriptive. Can you say that word? Say prescriptive. What do you think prescriptive means? You know, when you go to the doctor and, uh, and the doctor gives you a prescription, he is saying, do this or take this medicine. He is prescribing proper action that would lead to health. And so when we say that the Bible isn't just informative, uh, it's also prescriptive, that in his word, God is prescribing to you and me a proper and right way to live that leads to health, that leads to life, not just for you, but also for your family and your friends and your team and your class and your church and your neighborhood. So that when I choose to be a man that fears God and keeps his commandments, I believe that brings blessing to my wife and to my children and to the church where I serve and to my neighborhood. There is blessing in life there. But if I choose to disregard God, if I choose to disobey him, it doesn't just hurt me. It affects, it, it brings pain and shame and grief to my wife, to my kids, to my team my school, to my church, to my neighborhood. Do you want to be a man or a woman that, that fears the Lord, experiences true life, and also brings health and encouragement and life to those around you? You get to make that choice. 
God prescribes a way of living that is consistent with his holy character, which actually leads to joy and beauty and blessing. How many of you guys enjoy going for a hike? Yeah, I didn't like hiking when I was younger. Now I love it. I love to get outside. In fact, there was a day I took a hike, and it's very close to here. When I used to live in Southern California, it's, it's a hike to Castle Rock. It's not too far from here. And I decided to go alone, which is really not a great idea when you go hiking in the mountains. Um, but I went alone, and I parked, and I began to see these trail markers. You know, can you picture a trail marker? When you're on a trail, it, usually these ones were arrows, you know, pointing to the, the, the trail that would take you to Castle Rock, and I'd heard all about Castle Rock. Uh, I hadn't seen any pictures, but I heard it was beautiful, and, and, and so I wanted to get to that destination, and so as I began hiking, I was attentive for a while to those trail markers, keeping me on trail, but, but keeping me from danger or going off trail and ending up being searched for by a helicopter and, and being reported on the five o'clock news. So those trail markers, but after a while, halfway through this, this hike, I got distracted. I wasn't paying attention to those arrows, and I got off trail, and I didn't know it. And then I kept walking further and further off trail, and I'd even found myself on an, uh, down another ridge and, and, and off course. And I started to get fearful because if I kept pursuing that off trail, uh, what I thought was right, that could lead to serious danger. But I had pride. I thought, I'm going to figure out the right way. I'm just going to keep pushing forward, and I'll find Castle Rock. So I kept going, and that's dangerous, uh, more and more so. But finally, I came to a moment of repentance and humility, and I turned around. That's what repentance is, right? When you know that you're off track, when you know you're off trail, according to God's word, to humble yourself and say, I've sinned. I'm off course. And so I turned back and, and, and started retracing my steps to get back on trail. And I finally did. And I found about 15 minutes later, I got back on trail. And then I was more diligent to look for those arrows and those, those uh, directions rather than just going the way that I felt was right. And I made it to Castle Rock. And it was beautiful. I remember I had my Bible and I had my journal. And, and I spent hours there just looking over Big Bear Lake and it was a beautiful day that those markers that were telling me which way to go, they were actually leading me to beauty and enjoyment and peace and rest. And so now I think, and I ask you, when you consider God's instructions and his commandments, do you think that God is just trying to, to be a killjoy? He doesn't want you to have any fun? Or do you believe that God's commandments are actually pointing you to something good and right? God's commandments for marriage and how a man and a woman ought to act and, and be faithful within marriage, those aren't restrictive. You know that God is actually leading us to enjoy marriage the way he intended. And so I look at his commands and I want to, to follow them. Do you as well? God's commands are not random or pointless. And so the more that we know God, the more we know his goodness and we trust his commands. His commands cease to be a burden. We actually even delight in God's laws. We delight in his instruction because we want to live, to truly live and experience life. And if so, then fear God and keep his commands. What does it look like for a teenager to fear God and keep his commandments? I have two examples. The first one is from the scriptures. A young man named Daniel 
that we read about. There's a book that, that, that goes by his name in the Old Testament. Daniel was a young man. We think he was about 16 or 17 years old when we're introduced to Daniel. Um, he was an Israelite, but Israel had been taken captive by Babylon. They had been conquered, and what Babylon did is they took some of the, the best young men, the wisest and the smartest, which means I'm out. I would have been left back. They took the best of the young men, Daniel was one of them, and they took them captive into Babylon, and their, their purpose was to turn guys like Daniel to stop being Israelite, to stop following you know, the one true God, and to become Babylonian, and to serve Babylonian gods. And so these young men were hand-picked, and King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to separate them from their heritage, to separate them from, from God, and he even changed their names. Daniel's name was a Jewish name that spoke of, of the God he served. Daniel meant God is judge, and they changed Daniel's name. Does anybody know what they changed his name to? Give it a shot. Yeah, dude, that's good for my book. Uh, you want to you help him out? Yeah, you guys are rocking it. They gave him the, this name. How would you name it if your name was Daniel, and they gave you the name Belteshazzar, Right? Well, well, Daniel means God is my judge. They gave him a name that says, no, may Bel protect his life. Bel is one of the false Babylonian gods. They changed his name. They're trying to change his identity. They even did that to three of his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They gave them Babylonian names, which you may have heard, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are Babylonian names that speak about Babylonian gods. Their true name spoke of the true God. Daniel was about 16 years old when this happened. Nearly all of Daniel's outward life was changed. But here's the question. Could they change Daniel's heart? Could they change? Could they keep Daniel from fearing the Lord and obeying the commandments of God? They could not. I just want to read you one verse. Daniel 1.8. I love this verse. I hope you guys embrace this verse and consider this verse today. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. He resolved. To defile means to make dirty or unclean or to pollute. He resolved not to pollute himself with the things of the world or the things of, of Babylon. The king's food and wine would have been sacrificed and used in worship ceremonies to all the Babylonian gods. And he said, therefore, I'm not going to partake of it. And to resolve means to decide firmly on a course of action, which I'm asking you today to resolve to fear the Lord and keep his commandments. To resolve, uh, the New King James Version says that Daniel purposed in his heart. Deep within himself, he made a purpose that he would not defile God. The New American Standard says Daniel made up his mind. Another version says Daniel was determined not to defile himself. This was a decision he made ahead of time, probably even when he was a young, younger man, a younger teenager. And these young men were faced with a clear-cut issue of obedience or faith. And there was intense social pressure from all the other young guys that were abandoning the fear of the Lord and grabbing hold to Babylon. But they chose to fear God and obey his commands rather than defile themselves. And they chose this, come what may. Have you ever heard that phrase? 
Come what may, meaning I choose to fear the Lord and keep his commands no matter what happens to me. No matter what pressure I face, no matter if all my friends turn against me, no matter if I give my whole life, I am resolved, come what may, that I am going to fear the Lord and I am going to keep his commandments. And God gave favor to Daniel and his friends as they decided to stand with God among people who stood against God. And that's what I'm asking you. Are you willing to stand with God among teenagers, among a world that stands against God, come what may? There was a time, the second story is in my own life as a teenager when I made a decision to fear God and obey his commandments, and it put me in opposition with a bunch of others. I was 18 years old. I was a freshman uh, at Cal State San Bernardino, just down the hill from here. And I, was, I had tried out for the baseball team, and I didn't make it, but they, they called me a red shirt, which meant I could practice with the team to see if I would get better and maybe make the team the next year. So I'm a freshman red shirt. I believe I was the only Christian out of about 30 or 40 other players. I felt so isolated there on that team. And there, I was a second baseman, and there was a loudmouth second baseman that came, and I'm sorry, guys, he came from Long Beach. I know some of you are from Long Beach. Uh, he came from that city college transfer, and he was a loudmouth, vulgar, swearing man. The things, And I had to hang out with him the whole time with some others because I was also a second baseman. And then one day he said it. He said to me and this other red shirt freshman, uh, he was obnoxious and loud, and he said, hey, guys, have you learned how to party yet? So I was a freshman, you know, here at this, this state university. Have you learned how to party yet? And I knew what he meant by party. Hey, have you been getting drunk? Have you been partying and doing all these things? Well, the other freshman redshirt immediately said, oh, yeah, and started telling her just this last weekend, I was at this party, and blah, 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 and harumph, 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 and these guys were like, you know, together. And I'm sitting there feeling even more and more isolated because I had chosen a predecided purpose, A, I was 18 years old, far from the legal drinking age. But I'd also decided that to, to fear the Lord and honor his commandments, um, I would, had begun becoming a youth group leader for junior high kids just like you. And, and they were under great pressure to drink and to party. And I had decided that I wanted to be a model for them that they could have fun and enjoy life and it didn't have to involve getting drunk with alcohol. I knew that in my heart, and I just thought, I just hope this loudmouth second baseman just forgets the question and doesn't ask me. Well, then he turns to me. What about you, Osborne? That's my last name. What, he didn't know T-Bone because he wasn't my friend. He didn't call me T-Bone. What about you, Osborne? Have you learned how to party yet? And right there, I had a decision. What am I going to do? Am I just going to try to blend in? Yeah. You know, I party, blah, blah, blah. But I had, had that resolve. I had pre-decided that I would stand with God even among a team of baseball players who stood against God, come what may. And so I said to him this. I said, I love to party. I said, I love to party, but I don't drink alcohol. And that just threw him. He's like, and then, and I thought that would just be the end. And instead, he yells out to the whole team, guys, did you hear that? Osborne over here says he loves to party, but Osborne doesn't drink alcohol. 
and now I'm outed in front of all these guys that I follow Jesus. They didn't know that. He asked, and so he asked, why? And I thought, well, like, I'm just going to be honest with them. I told them everything. He said, A, I'm underage, bro. <laughs> B, uh, I, I, I love God. I'm a Christian, and, and I want to model for other teenagers who are pressured into drinking and drugs that they don't have to go that path. And after I said that, it just got silent. I felt even more and more isolated from the team, more and more alone. But something happened that I'll never forget. After practice that day, we were all in the dugout. Coach dismissed us, and I walked out to my car alone, as I always did, didn't connect with any of those teammates. And as I'm walking alone out to my car, loudmouth second baseman says, hey, Osborne, wait up. Great. He comes over to me. He puts his arm around my neck in a bit of a hug, walks with me to my car, and he says these exact words. He said, Osborne, he said, when you go home tonight, he said, thank your parents. He said, you have morals. We're all just a bunch of slobs out here. And he walked away. I'm not saying this man turned his life over, but right in that moment, he acknowledged that I was standing apart. And he even affirmed that. I tell you guys, if you are going to fear the Lord and keep his commandments, it will cost you. Others will ridicule. They won't get it. You might feel like you want to cave in to pressure, and I tell you, don't. Your decision to fear God and obey his commandments begins today, not tomorrow, not years down the road. I do a lot of funeral services as a pastor, and I read this passage at every funeral or memorial service. It's Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What does it mean to number our days? It means this. God, teach us to acknowledge that we are going to die one day. Our days are numbered. And that shouldn't depress us or make us sad because for those of us that have received Christ as Savior, we know what's awaiting us after death, and that is eternal life with God. But it's also good for us to realize that your life, you won't live forever. And that's good for you to say, so then take advantage of today. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Praise God. Enjoy life today because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Don't waste your time and don't waste your life. God has made you on purpose and for purpose. And so if you remember anything as you walk out of here, you remember these, this command. Fear God and keep his commandments. The invitation of Jesus is costly, but Jesus always invites us into something greater. You will have to give up things if you're going to fear the Lord and keep his commandments. You will have to let, lay aside things, but I tell you, what Jesus invites you into is so much greater. A life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of enjoyment as you walk, and, and it also means a life of, of suffering. And hardship, you're not impervious to that. Christians suffer. Christians go through hardships just like everybody else. But we have hope. We have a confident expectation that God is always with us. And he will carry us through the deepest, darkest valleys. And he will bring us into green pastures of peace and rest. 
And so my end of my message, my question to you, and I told you I would ask you this. Will you stand with God in a world that stands against God? Is it your desire to be a young man? Is it your desire to be a young woman that fears the Lord and obeys his commandments? And if your answer is yes, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to demonstrate that answer. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. But here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want others just to go, oh, everybody's standing. Because if this is not your desire, if it is not true, I'd respect honesty. I think God would respect that you'd be honest and say, no, I don't care to fear God. I don't care to keep his commandments. There might be just one of you that would stand in here and say, it is my desire to be a God-fearing young person that keeps his commandments. If that is your heart and your desire, I want to pray over you. And I'm going to ask that you would stand right now if it is your desire to fear God and to keep his commandments. If you would, if you would close your eyes, I'm going to pray over you. You don't have to do this, but if you wanted, you could just open your hands at your side because I'm going to pray a blessing over you. Father, this is a big decision, a big moment right now that these young people are making. And I pray God's strength upon them that they would stand with you in a world that stands against you, come what may. And as you're Standing here, I ask you, what is the first step that you need to take to fear the Lord and keep his commandments? Is there something that God asks you to do today or when you get down the hill? Or is there something he's asking you to stop doing? That if you're going to be someone who fears the Lord and keeps his commands, that God would put that upon your heart. And this wouldn't just be something you you stood or said, but that you're going to put feet to your your commitment, action to your commitment. Father, I pray that these young men and women may know life, that they may truly enjoy, uh, enjoy the life that you've intended. I pray that these young people would find the purpose, the meaning in life that you have for them. And God, that they would live their whole life to bring glory to you and to bring welfare to your people. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And before I say amen, I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we sing one final song together. For this is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.